Welcome back to another episode of George in the Jungle. I am Aaron Smith, joined by my colleague, never thought I'd get to say that, George Vogel. Um, but we will be bringing you everything that we have on the Bearcats, Bengals, and Reds from the last week or so, uh, along with George's thoughts on local high school football and FC Cincinnati towards the end. Uh, but without further ado, George, what a weekend it was. And yeah, last weekend. We're not too used to this in recent years in Cincinnati. It's been, you know, usually it's oh. been happy-go-lucky weekends for us. But this one, yeah, I'm in the jungle, all right. I want to go deep into the jungle and get away from ravens and red hawks and any other bird. I, <laughs> my eyes out. I mean, that was that was just a brutal weekend. And I couldn't believe, I mean, as I sat there at Nippert Stadium, and, you know, you're thinking, okay, they'll pull this out. They'll find a way. They'll do, okay, they're going to kick a game-winning field goal, and UC escapes with their lives once again, and blocked. Um, I'll tell you what. Number one, the first thing that struck me about the whole debacle is give it to Chuck Martin and his coaches, because I think he poked the UC coaches right in the eyeballs. I mean, I think he got the best of them. Uh, on on several fronts. And, you know, that's not to demean and get on this fire the coaches, man. No, not at all. But, you know, that first play of the game, first play from scrimmage, all right? You're UC. Who you got to cover for Miami? Who do you have to make sure doesn't beat you? Laverdane. Yeah, that's probably who you should probably. And so UC's got if I saw the play correctly, and believe me, I went back and watched it several times on the ESPN Plus. I tortured myself today looking at it again. You got three guys potentially on that side of the field that could be in coverage, and one freaking eligible receiver on that side of the field. And the corner's playing off, and then he decides, I'm going to walk up and get in this kid's grill. All right, that's fine. I love it. I love aggression. And you got a safety over there who might be able to help you on the top if you're going to walk up and get in that kid's grill. I didn't see the safety move. And then I saw the other guy go up on the line of scrimmage that could have been a potential cover guy. And there you are one-on-one -on -one, with no help over the top. And the guy who just went off for 250 plus or whatever it was a week ago. And look, if you're a coach, I mean, the defensive coaches had to be like, holy God, what's going on down there? How is this well, happening? Why are we in this situation? And boom. And you're you're thinking, okay, they could have called timeout and said, what the hell are you doing? Why don't you shade over there by the receiver if that guy's up in his grill? But, you know, you don't call a timeout. You think, okay, Gabbert's not going to lay it in there. Our guy might have tight enough coverage. It's not going to be a completion. Well, we saw what happened. Uh isn't that payback though for what Cincinnati did to Miami just two years ago when oh, yeah. Tyler's supposed when, to let it happen? When You're when Des Ritter goes to Tyler Scott, right? One on one out of the <laughs> with your you best know, guy, the only guy we got to worry about. I just I I I was dumb. <laughs> when I saw that safety having the runner run the cover up ground, I'm just like, dear God, if he hits this pass, that they're not stopping it. He he can't get there, and he didn't get there. Um, it, that, 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 that sucked. And then you go to the last play. Well, one of the, almost the last play of the game from scrimmage and regulation with the block field goal. And you got an overloaded right side for UC and, yep. you know, the kid blocks down when someone else should probably block out and he should make sure that corner man ain't getting there. Um, and that's one where, I, you know, they called timeout. The only way to, to, to rectify the situation is trust your kids or take a flag and you're five yards back and you don't want to do that for right. a game-winning field goal. So I, I just felt like Miami stayed aggressive. Um, I thought their coaches stayed aggressive. From the get-go, they were aggressive. And there's just a there's probably 15 plays I could point to that if they don't happen, UC wins that game. That's that's how big of a margin for error they had, and that's how big of a margin for error they blew. That game should have been won. 
but hats off to Miami. Really good game, really good game plan. And who the hell knew Brent Gabbert could run like that? Yeah, I no one. No one knew right. that. I don't know if he, I don't know if he knew that. He ended up with basically 70 some yards. I don't think he's rushed for much more than 150 in a season. And I mean he's been playing since 2004, I think. But you know, an experienced <laughs> quarterback, and I give the kid credit. No, you do. You give him credit. The kid did what he was supposed to do. But yeah, I, I just feel like um, I don't know what was going on with some of the stuff you see did from a coaching standpoint, alignment standpoint. Um, there, there's just like I said, there were 15 plays go one way or the other. I mean, that one time Gabbert's uh, what, what were they like? third and a mile, and I think it was third and 15, he scrambles for 10, fourth and five, and then he scrambles for like 26. I've got your stats for you. Uh, 75, 75 yards for Gabbert rushing in that game. Uh, for his career, 210 carries, 407 yards total. Yeah. Uh, including, uh, I don't I don't know if that's including that. I'm assuming it's including that. Uh, what his 2023 total currently stands at 20 rushes for 71 yards. So he had negative four coming, <laughs> coming in. Um, so, so there you go. But you know, hang on, hang on. I, I got more here. Uh, th oh, three geez. of those seasons, three of those gonna seasons, get me mad. Three of those seasons, he finished with less than 75 at 72, 58, okay, and 55. And That's one of those I'm seasons, one of those seasons, he finished with 151. So there we go. He got half of his career high season total yep. in that game. And, you know, you give him credit. And I, and I heard Coach talking today, and he's absolutely right, but I saw this during the game. It's like your, your defensive linemen are getting too far up the field and allowing this kid to scramble. Yeah. It's like, don't, don't do that. I mean, you gotta, you he, he, he did say don't do that. He did mention that they need to converge more on the quarterback instead of just getting past the offensive lineman and not knowing exactly where to go or also filling the gaps and stacking the gaps, which is yes. something that apparently they've had some issue with. Yeah, uh, you listen to big him. Issue. Big issue you, Saturday. Clearly you listened to the presser today. I asked Chad this on the nightcap tonight already, but I'm going to ask you the same question. Some of the people on Twitter, some of the people on the BCJ boards have been a little – uh, down on Satterfield in the way that he carries himself after a loss, as if the loss doesn't affect him, as if the loss is not something that he really cares about, as if he's satisfied win or lose. I didn't get that sentiment at all. I don't. I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, having heard yeah, plenty I, of coaches. I uh, no, I, I don't get that sentiment. Um, look, fans are looking for somebody to slit their wrists when a game is lost. They want someone to come in there and cut their heart out and say, here, take it. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, it's a game of 18 to 22, 23-year-olds. Um, yes, you want to win. Yes, he's getting paid to very damn handsomely to make sure it does happen. Um, but every now and then, stuff's going to happen. Look, you play Miami every year, year after year after year, you're going to lose to them eventually. And you're going to lose games that hurt. You're going to lose games where you feel like you shouldn't have lost. That was the case Saturday. And I know UC to this point now probably has every advantage. But on the flip side, Miami's not just chopped liver. They're a good MAC program. They've been a good MAC program for years, um, forever. Um, it, it's not like these guys aren't trying either and their coaches aren't getting paid. I mean, it, it's, it's, Weird things are going to happen. I don't say you just lay down and accept it. You fix it, and you figure out why it happened. Um, but name me a school that never loses a game. Um, and, and people might be upset that, you know, Satterfield wasn't in there breaking chalkboards in front of them and stuff. But he he is a low-key guy. He yeah. really, he's, 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 but apparently from people close to him, there's a fire that burns inside. Um, we're going to find out. And I, I know, I, I, I know this, if he didn't have that Louisville tenure in there, people might look at him a little differently, but 
I, I get the second guessing or the the let's say the the reluctance to warm up to him and say he's our guy based on what we saw out on Louisville during his tenure there. Yeah, um, while he while he may be from the while he may be from the Bible Belt, he's not a hellfire and brimstone type of guy, and I'm right. I'm okay with that. Um, first time they've lost though since the last loss coming in 2005. They they had won 16 in a row. Uh, Miami rang that victory bell in the locker room. They had not left even after the Cincinnati pressers were done and over with. They were still ringing the bell in the locker room, the visitors' locker room, uh, still on the field visiting with friends and family, obviously, with the rivalry being so close, plenty of friends and family, I'm sure, uh, local. Uh, but I don't know. What do, what do you do if, you, if you're Scott Satterfield? You, you know what this means to the fans. You have to know. He's not a stranger to rivalries. You, right. you have to know what this means to, especially if you're going to continue to bring in hometown heroes and – as far as your your players that you're bringing in, um, what do you do going into next year when this rivalry comes back around that maybe you didn't do this time around to try and get, especially if you have some more transfers coming in, to get everybody hyped up as much as the, the fans and the local kids are? Number one, the first day of summer practice, when those dudes show up on campus before they go to higher ground, you have that schedule and you circle that damn game. And you say, this is as important as anything we're going to do this season. It's not, but you tell them that. And you say, that's a game. Now, week one, I don't know who they're going to have next year, week one. I don't know how the schedule falls yet. But that's a circle game. It's got to be that for Scott Satterfield from now on and not let that happen again. Can you imagine if he loses that game next year? No, Can you no imagine? I can't. Well, what would you say? <laughs> I'm, How bad would the fan base be you lose to Miami two years in a row? I'm still struggling to piece together how the hell you lose a game with 550-plus offensive yards and 30-plus, or at least 30, first downs, yeah, seven, well, trip, seven, yeah. seven trips to the red zone. Like – Oh my God. It, it, it's amazing. I, <laughs> I know those guys, those coaches are pulling their hair out over this. I know they're dying. I mean, you know, those, those plays inside the 10. Okay. They were inside the 10 from the get go. Eight, eight trips to the red zone. Just, just to be accurate. Hey Chad, what's up? I have eight trips to the red zone just to be accurate. Not seven. So yeah, there were better. a bunch of plays run inside the 10 yard line too. Um, seven, 17 plays inside the 10 yard line. And they got one touchdown from Kiner, and they got that's three it. field goals, and that's yeah. it, right? Yeah. That's, a, that, that's unbelievable to me. And it's unbelievable to me that, you know, you're a Cincinnati team going against a back team. You got to be able – I mean, when you're down there when it was – when it was what was it, third and goal at the one, um, and then you get yeah. stopped, and then it's fourth and goal. You get stopped again. You can't let that happen. There's got to be something you have in your bag. You have to win. Individual <laughs> matchups. Individual matchups. You have to win. If you're an offensive right. lineman, you got to run over the guy in front of you. Absolutely. And drive him into the and, end zone. And and I I don't know the answer to this, but you know, they stayed in shotgun the whole time. And I guess maybe you never get under the center with, uh, with Emory Jones, because I know there are quarterbacks like that who flat out just don't operate very well under center. But um, when you're down there and you got to stuff it in there, you got to do that. I mean, I just, I don't like taking a guy that never takes a snap under center and putting him in a high leverage situation taking a snap under center like there's for me there's far more variance in that like i get it when there was a mix but george you got to realize a lot of these kids now they've never taken a snap under center like well all i think they probably should learn because a nice little quarterback sneak when you're down there on the right. is, does, is the sneak not back. in the playbook you're pushing you in i think that might work i don't know I'm not a genius. I, I, I I'm just I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's not. I know. I'm just spitballing, but it's my not God. something they do a lot anymore. Like, 90% of kids 
have probably never taken a snap under center. Well, I or, or you know, you can count it on one hand and figure it out because I, I just, I, I, to me, when 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 it was that third down and they're right on the doorstep, you got to get up under there and you got to make it happen. Well, um, if you're putting in, if you're putting in Juwan Briggs and Dante Corleone, you run the Philadelphia Eagle quarterback sneak and you have them be the guys pushing you exactly. by your ass exactly. over 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 the line thank you who's those are giant that? men who is stopping that is no a black defensive line going to stop that well they stopped everything so i don't know i i, I don't yeah. know well i mean you're pitching it out <laughs> you guys to beat i know you want him to beat one and he didn't beat the one but then he was going to have to beat it. There were two guys there when he pitched that fourth yeah. down ball to him. Well, and they the the line moved right, and he countered left. And Correct. I don't I don't know what Why the hell would you counter left if you're supposed to beat these Mac guys. I don't I don't have an answer for that. I don't. Either. I don't uh, that's why that's why we're not paid so as coaches. We're, clearly, we're just we are. Here. Yeah, they know more football. I mean, I, I I you know they forgot more than I'll ever know. But it just didn't look right to me. It didn't feel right, and. Uh, I just felt like that that series early in the game where they had a chance to just, boom, go up 14-7, establish something, get them back on their heels a little bit. And all they did was gave Miami all the momentum in the world to have a goal line stop against a Power 5 team. I thought that just, that that hurt me too. Want me to keep now, going? Now, Xavier Henderson, he, he had a great game. He was targeted 13 times, hauled in 12. Um, he – did have a career high as far as receptions went. He had never had that many. Um, didn't quite get to his yardage high in his career. But clearly, that is a comfort blanket for, as I've been saying, even since I saw him in camp working with Emery, uh, clearly that is his comfort blanket for Emery. Uh, it, it's, it's Xavier Henderson. I'm perplexed as to not going to him in the end zone at all. Yes. Um being that you did have such success going to him, especially on the one drive where there was only one pass that went to anybody else. It was a drop by Evan Prater where it was fantastic coverage. Prater looked to have, have caught the ball on what may have been oh, an errant pass. That. It, it, it looked like what may have been an errant pass. Prater played it well and well done on, on the defense for breaking that up. But everything else on that drive, I think it was eight passes or so, seven or eight, uh, went to Xavier Henderson on that drive. And then, again, you get into the red zone and you don't go to the guy who you've gone to the entire drive. I'm still trying to make heads or tails of that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. And and so he was 12 of 13, Jones was, throwing the Hender, or to Henderson, yeah. To everybody else, 7 of 20. That's seven of great. Um, that, that's something's going on there that needs to be worked out. Because obviously he has the connection with Xavier, but um, they they got to figure out the rest of this thing. And you, you know what? I, I would have just kept throwing to him. I mean, I would have just kept throwing to him. And yeah, like, he, he was down in the red zone. I, I'm not sure what was going on there. I don't know. I just know that it didn't look right. And, uh, yeah, and, and another thing that bothered me. Here, here's another one. Now, UC got the ball back on a turnover. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Emory Jones is a quarterback. You're going to make mistakes. But he missed that deep shot. And I don't think that was to Henderson. It was someone else. Was it was wide to open. D. Wiggins. D. Wiggins, yeah. yeah. D. Wiggins, wide open. You can't miss that. You cannot miss that. But you do. And then what happens the next play? I knew Chad was coming in for this one. A pick. I have a theory on that. I was standing right by it, so I think I saw what happened. When Emory Jones let go of the ball, D. Wiggins was running a straight fly route. Yep. But as the play developed, he started – he didn't cut it straight to the post, but he started to go a little bit inside, which is kind of what you do to give the quarterback a bigger – Window. You know, right. window to throw it into – but I think right as he cut inside a little bit, Emory Jones threw the fly route straight right. down the sideline. So when you look where the ball hit, it was about three yards to the sideline where he had started to drift more to give him a, a wider range. 
and that's what I think created that little bit of separation there. Totally, yes. That's my, I was literally standing on the sideline, basically where the ball landed on that play. So I got to see it kind of develop as it was happening. And I do think D just started to drift a little bit inside because he was wide open. Oh, he was so wide open. I just, I I, I guess my criticism, and I hate criticizing kids, but maybe a little more air under that ball because he had him beat so badly. Well, but but the problem is, George, if he's right, if he stays on the fly route, right, it's he hits right it. to him. He hits. It's it. right, right to him. No, I get so it. So I think I there was it. just a slight miscommunication or a, like a mistiming almost that is out of either of their control because Wiggins did the right thing by trying to give him a little bit more surface area to throw yep. to, but the ball had already been released at that point and went to the point of where he should have been if he had continued straight down the sideline. Well, I wish that kid would have done that on the first play. <laughs> <laughs> but then the next play is an interception. It's just, it's, it's just such a yeah. oxygen sucking thing out of your team to miss yeah. a big play like that and then turn it over on the next play. Now you see, got it back. Uh, thanks to that fumble or that force fumble, I should say. Uh, yeah, yeah, well done play there, no doubt about it. Um, so they got it back, so that was negligible there. But whoo, that that was a little sequence that that bugged the absolute, you know what, out of me. So what did you think, Aaron? Um, what did you think about the end of that game, the overtime? Um, Miami just punched it right in the end zone. It did. And UC just kind of gagged. Well, it's what we've seen now for two weeks in a row where quarterbacks are picking on these corners. Yeah. That, that's that's it. They're, they're picking on the secondary. Um, even, even Deshaun Pace, he, he had um, some coverage issues in, earlier in the game. Uh, I want to say maybe first half. Um, but or early second half, but uh, the the corners specifically are getting picked on, and I don't see that as we enter Big Twelve play. I don't see that slowing up until the corners no. can prove themselves. And as of now, you've got to figure out. First off, you got to figure out how to not drop pass interference. Correct. Plain, plain and simple, because that's been a a bugaboo now for two weeks running, and yep. that's that's going yep. to continue into the Big 12, especially when you're going against quarterbacks like Dylan Gabriel. Uh, he's he's going to take advantage oh, of that. He is on fire right now. Um, so that's that's something that I, I guess I wasn't, wasn't shocked that when you start picking on the corners, um, especially towards the end of the fourth quarter, you're going to continue to do that in overtime, and it worked out. Yeah, certainly um, that's something Miami looked at when Pitt – needed something they played that game mm-hmm. you know outside fly down the sideline try to get a pi and they got them in pittsburgh yep. and miami did the same on that fourth quarter drive um i think there yep. were two of them there yep. and uh, it's just like yeah. and uh, you know one of them i heard uh coach satterfield and i don't know if it was today or, or maybe it was saturday night um he seemed to have an issue with one of them. Yeah, he did. And yeah. when, when when the defenders turned around, how is that yes. pass interference? Exactly. Like, I, I think – and I saw – I feel like I saw maybe somebody in the NFL comment on this um, where when you have an underthrown ball, I feel like the referees don't understand – it's not that they don't understand, but they, they're more flag happy to throw it on a defender who's making a play on an underthrown ball than they are – something that's a, a jump ball simply because it, you you're watching the receiver, not the, the cornerback per se, right. as they're trying to make the same play on the ball, but the defender has better position. And unfortunately it just seems to be one of those things where it's becoming at least this season. Uh, it's something that Cincinnati's being called on, even on those underthrown balls, as opposed to something that you just let play out. So. I don't know. I don't know how you play it any better than having your head turned around at the ball and right. not having not having hands on the on the corner. It 
if you're going to call something at that point, I guess you could call defensive holding if that happened beforehand. And that's a different call than pass right. interference. But it, yeah, that, point, that was a tough call to be sure. Um, and it's certainly something Miami was trying to force the issue on because yeah. obviously they saw what happened the week before. Right. And uh, we're going to see the same thing this Saturday. But hopefully, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but everything I've heard since that game uh, out of Coach Satterfield's mouth, they're more than aware of it, and they know they got to fix it somehow, and they got to go to work on it, and you know, clean up the technique or make sure they have the right technique called uh, for for when you're heading down that sideline and don't have safety help. Um, and yeah, that's he's got to fix. He said he wanted to throw some uh, some mix up some of the coverages and stuff too. This going into this week, obviously, when you have three receivers coming in from Oklahoma that just eclipsed 100 yards this yeah. this, past, this past week albeit against a foe that is arguably not not at Cincinnati's level, um, you know, that you, you don't expect them to have quite the same level of success as they did last week. Um, I like to look at trends, and I saw that Oklahoma puts up over 70 week one. They put up only 27 week two. They put up over 60 week three. So maybe they're due for, you know, back around the twenties again. And if that's the case, then maybe Cincinnati can make a game out of this one. So I would like we'll, to that. We'll, we'll see if the pattern can repeat itself. Obviously Nippert's going to be on fire with the, uh, the big 12, or I'm sorry, the, um, the, the Fox show, the big Saturday, big noon kickoff. There big we go. Noon. Big, noon. big noon. Yeah. And hopefully the fans bounce back and don't, you know, <laughs> Don't I mean, sell their tickets to Oklahoma fans because of a loss. Bearcats aren't used to losing football games at home. I mean, it, it, it hurts when it happens, but you also got to know if they pull something off this Saturday, last Saturday don't mean nothing. Nothing. Because they're yeah. off and running if they can do that. And look, I, I, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to say this. SMU played Oklahoma very, very tough. I think it was like a 14-11 game in the uh, fourth quarter, early in the Going fourth. Going into the fourth, yeah. Yeah, they 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 were playing with them. So it can be done. Um, Oklahoma's offense is somewhat on fire. Uh, certainly Dylan Gabriel is. He's completing over 80% of his passes or something stupid like that. He's the Big 12 uh, Offensive Player of the Week after that performance against Tulsa. Uh, well deserved. Yeah. Nick uh Nick Anderson, newcomer of the week, the wide receiver, one of the three to have over a hundred yards receiving. Um I guess, you know, he's playing for the first time, a red shirt freshman. I got a really stupid, um worthless bit of trivia on him. Okay. He went to high school at Katy High School. In Texas, who else went to Katy High School that you know? I I can't answer that for Andy you. Dalton. I, I, I that would have been my guess if I was <laughs> sitting high school. Yeah, if I if I was sitting on the uh, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, that, that would have been <laughs> that would have been my guess. Lifeline. I would have been your lifeline. But no, the only reason <laughs> I know this crap is I went down to Texas when uh, it's probably the first time the Bengals played the Texans down there when Dalton was the quarterback and I went out to that high school and saw their setup and it was a good football setup. I mean, high school football down there is a thing just like it is around here. Um, in some parts it's nuts, but, uh, they have quite a tradition down there, but anyway, that's your useless trivia. That's neither here nor there, but I, I have to stumble across that today looking at the Oklahoma roster. And I'm like, Katie, I know that school. I've been there. And it's like, Holy crap, that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have a fun fact for you. This comes courtesy of uh, Jay Williams Cincy of uh, the Cincinnati Enquirer, uh, Jason Williams. But uh, 12,000 plus cans of Cincy Light were sold inside Nippert Stadium last Saturday. And the stadium is fully restocked and ready for this weekend against Oklahoma. 12,000 cans of Cincy Light, George. the other can because I think I had 11,999 <laughs> myself. <laughs> At least my bank account looks like that. Well, so so what happened to where you were in Columbus before the game and you showed up a half hour before kickoff, George? Oh, my God. Well, I went up. We had kind of a little, I wouldn't call it a family reunion, but my cousin had something going on at Buckeye Lake. 
And do you really want to hear this whole story? I, I was just worried that maybe you were on a recycling trip in Columbus, forgot what city you were on. Maybe you woke up in the middle no. of the street. I, I, I didn't know. I, I was concerned for your well-being. I, I just wanted Where to make sure everything was okay. Night. God, I shouldn't even tell this story. But <laughs> So my 70-year-old sister... So we're all staying in this big room. Now, I haven't, I haven't been in a room sleeping with my sisters since I was like 10 years old. And I made mention, oh, God, I shouldn't tell this story. But I made mention that I didn't bring my melatonin. I'm like, I'm really tired. I need to go to sleep. That's around midnight, 1250. I'm like, I think I'm good. Well, then this sack hits by my head. And my sister goes, here. Try one of these. So it was some kind of, I thought it was like this CBD gummy thing. So I'm like, and I'm looking at him like, well, there's nothing bad in this. So I took kind of half of one and I'm telling, I don't know what they put in this stuff, but <laughs> and it's, it, it, it's, they sell it in Ohio. So are, are you allowed to sell stuff in Ohio that gets you like, you can sell CBD. I don't know. Maybe it was a mix of whatever you had drank that night on well, top of. It said Delta 8, and it had like a little picture of Pac-Man Jones on it, which should have been my cue. <laughs> and so, uh, what? Am I getting you in took a picture. You took a picture of something that had Pac-Man Jones's picture on it? Yeah, I took a bite. I know. Well, I didn't see it until after uh, my, when, when I started going, when I, cause I sat up and I go, guys, I got this. I mean, I feel like I could run a marathon right now. I don't know what's going on. And so I go, let me see those things that I, and I'm looking at it. And that's when I saw Pac-Man's picture. I didn't just stare back at you. Well, yeah. Staring back at you. But how talking to him. That in Ohio? I thought you had to have like a card and my sister doesn't have one. You can get it in, I guess, somewhere, Michigan, maybe, or Colorado. But I figured if something over-the-counter in Ohio cannot get you messed up. And this thing, I mean, I knew I was in trouble because I took a little more than half. And I threw the other part to my wife, and she took it. And 20 minutes later, she can't quit laughing. I'm like, uh-oh, something's <laughs> going on here. In the, in the oh, chat, there's... In the chat, they're saying, oh, no, not the Delta 8. That's synthetic THC, basically. Is that what it is? That yeah. was a complete, that was a complete, I had no idea. And I'm telling you what, I'm not doing it again. Um, your your 70-year-old sister dosed you. Yeah, she did. And my 71-year-old <laughs> sister spent the next two hours just lambasting her for doing that. Like, she killed her. It was like a two-hour comedy show, and I'm like, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I did not go to sleep till probably close to 3.30. So henceforth, the whole day got pushed back. Because isn't that stuff supposed to wind you down? I mean, eventually. I'm off the wall. Eventually. Well, eventually. I was jumping off the walls. And, and so my 71-year-old sister is berating my 70-year-old sister that she poisoned our little brother. And just, <laughs> it was so funny. How was there oh, not a camera for this? That really happened. That All really right. happened. Well, so henceforth, our day got kind of shoved back. And I'm just we didn't glad you're through. okay. Yeah, it, it was. It's, so so people know what this Delta 8 is. Then. Apparently. Like, that's a thing. Apparently. Oh, God. Uh, well, I got off track there. I, that's all right. We, we, we all enjoy a little story time with, with George here. So, <laughs> so bad. R rule number one. Never consume anything with a picture of Pac-Man Jones. I agree. I agree. I, I didn't see it at first. And I thought it was just like a CBD thing because I used to have this stuff, CBD oil you put under your yeah. tongue to try and sleep. And it never worked for me. It really did. It's it, melatonin or bust for me, I guess. Um, but yeah, you're right, Chad. Certainly I'm not old. Delta 8. Huh? Certainly not Delta 8. That didn't put you to sleep. <laughs> No, and someone told me there's a Delta 9. Yeah, the Delta 9 is, I, I've never had it. I've heard that's supposed to be How essentially is it legal? THC. How is it legal in Ohio? 
All right. I don't know either. So, kids, stay away from those bags of gummies. Kids, Fair stay away from Pac-Man Jones. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Sorry. We got to talk about the Bengals at some point, right? We do. And and what what better oh, way to... Oh, 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 one, one last thing. Yes. Do have a chance? Uh, I mean, look... The spread right now, or at least when it opened, was 14 and a half. Um, Cincinnati was favored against Miami by 14 and a half. <laughs> I'm just saying, stranger things have happened. I think I'm going to take the Bearcats. Well, we've been taking the Bearcats, and so far it's worked out two or three times. So, oh, just man. saying. Um, so, the, the Bengals, because, you know, misery loves company. Uh, the, the Bengals had another rough weekend as they hosted the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Burrow may or may not be playing next week. Who knows? That's a big issue. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with him and, and his, his calf injury, but the Ravens did take down the Bengals 27, 24 closer game score wise than it felt watching it at all. The entire game. I'll say that. Um, Finally, Joe Burrow finds the end zone with T. Higgins, not once but twice. Um, Jamar Chase is rumored to be frustrated from what anybody who was at the game said uh, with his on-field um, just body language. Um, I know he did mention, I, I believe today, that they, he wants them to take more deep shots. I don't know how you do that when Burrow's taking plenty of shots himself, so I don't I don't think that's an indictment on Burrow, but more an indictment on the offensive line, which has struggled in two games against conference foes. Um, but Joe finishes 27 of 41, 216, two touchdowns and a pick. Not a good day at the office for the newly signed quarterback. Uh, Joe Mixon has looked great in the minimum opportunities that he's been given the ball. Yep. This, this, Play caller in Zach Taylor does not like to run the ball very often. He's been pass happy all season so far, all, all two games. Um, I don't know. It's it's frustrating to watch. I don't feel like the defense has looked like the defense of last year thus far this season. I, I don't feel like the offensive line has looked like the offensive line thus far of last season. Um and I know plenty of people are saying that we started off 0-2 last year and not to worry. Uh, I don't feel like this team, as of what I've seen right now, I don't feel like this team is capable of ripping 10 in a row. I know. What do you think? I, I, I totally agree. It, it, it's a different – look, 0-2 felt bad last year. At this time, we were all sitting there going, what's wrong with this team? They tried, you know, they supposedly fixed the, not, the line. Everything looked disjointed. You know, Joe didn't have time to do anything against Dallas, and he certainly didn't have time to do anything against Pittsburgh in that home opener. Um, everything was just disjointed. Yeah. And it kind of looks like that offensively again. The problem is this year, you know, you got a Joe Burrow that's dealing with that calf injury, and God knows if he's going to play Monday night against the Rams or not. God knows right. if he should play against the Rams or not. Right. And, and getting back to Jamar Chase, um, he may be the smartest guy in that locker room because he's the one that said in training camp, maybe Joe shouldn't play the first couple of games. He just did. So he knows for sure. And we, you know, just, just to be safe because we need him for the stretch and the meat of the schedule. We don't need him in September. Uh, and there's something to be said about that. He should also be mad as hell about the fact that he's not been given a single route thus far in the season that has taken him over the middle. Everything Correct. everything is either straight up on either side of the field or something that from the inside as a slot guy that goes back to the outside of the field. What I are you doing? Frustration, and I, I, I get it. I think he's right. I, I think even if your quarterback's getting hurried or whatever, every now and then with a, a talent like Jamar Chase, you just got to put it up there and let the guy go make a play because he can do that. That's when he's at his best. He, you know, he wins the 50, 50 balls, um, lob one up and let him go get it. And he did have a touchdown that he dropped. Um, th yeah. that was, it, it, it hit him in the hands and, and great yeah. pass breakup by well, that was, that, was, on that. Yeah, that, that defensive play was mm -hmm. generally, he does not let that ball get punched Correct. out of there. He's usually, 
he must he's got as strong a hands as any receiver that I remember the Bengals having. I, I, I really do believe that. And that shocked me when that ball came out. I thought that was a touchdown. And when I saw that thing bounce, I'm like, no way that 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 was a great dig by that DB. I mean, yes, give him credit. That's not easy to do with Jamar Chase. But there's got to be more balls like that, even out in the open field, where it's a 50-50 ball and Chase makes that play. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the guy's on to something. And I know this has happened before with him, where there's been a little – I remember last year, or maybe it was his rookie year, I think it was last year, he, he got a little, like, we're being a little too conservative and not taking deep shots. Um, he, he's really good at that. And I don't know why you don't just fire it up there a few times a game. And and Joe's smart enough to know. And they can, you know, they, they every now and then they can probably do their own thing and not make Zach too darn mad and just, just go for it if they see something. Because I think Zach trusts them to do that. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it is disjointed. And it is a different 0-2 feel than last year because of that injury. And I right. don't know. Look, I I poo-pooed it in the preseason. I, I thought it was a minor injury. I thought it wasn't going to be a big deal. And I thought if they rested him the way they did, and it ended up being, what, five weeks or whatever, um, where he didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Um, but this is a problem. I don't know what's going on there, you know, um, but those soft tissue injuries, you just got to go with what the guy's telling you he feels because it's really, really hard to judge. And, man, it, it's it's not good. I mean, what, they got the Rams coming in for the old Ring of Honor game coming up Monday night. Winnable game for sure, but, you know, the Rams actually played pretty well against the Niners. And, uh I don't know. I, I don't feel good about any of this right now. And I, I, I wish I did, but I just don't. I just don't. Yep. What do they got? They got Rams at Tennessee, at Arizona, all winnable games, especially if you have Burrow as your quarterback. They're very winnable. But without, you know, if Jake Browning's your guy, I don't know. And, and, and you know, yeah, it, it's, it all depends on Joe, but. I'm okay. really concerned, even if he comes back Monday, I'm concerned at some point we're going to see him hobbling off again. And that's even if, not doing the team any good at all. Even if Browning's not your guy, uh, your only other options are Will Greer or go out and sign what a, a Carson Wentz or a Joe Flacco or the, the options in the free agency aren't great. Hey, I, I, I'm a little – You got to have – it's hard in today's NFL to have a capable backup. Teams do it. You had one. You let him go to San Francisco. I agree with you. I would keep him. Yes. I would keep him now. He doesn't want the team on his back and carry you over the finish line, but he's competent. He knows his system, and he's won games here before. I think that's the frust- the most frustrating part of the season that's right weird now for me. me. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Because it's hard to keep a backup or have a good backup because they're all searching for starting jobs. They want to start, and they can jump around now in today's NFL. But that's a guy they probably could have kept and, because and maybe a backup. Maybe that's what he saw in San Francisco, though, is everybody got injured and somebody's going to get a chance out there when everybody gets injured. That really could be. And he's sitting there going, Brock Purdy, really? I, 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 I got to be able to. But yeah. Brock Purdy's been pretty damn good. Um, I, it's, it's frustrating though, when you see the, the, you talk about the Rams being a winnable game. Also the Titans being a winnable game. Both those teams have something that Cincinnati does not have right now. And that's a win. And yeah. I don't, I don't know that I feel confident right now that this team is going to beat anybody until I, until yeah. I see them beat somebody. And the way that run defense has been, and granted the Browns and the Ravens can both pound the ball. And, and sure. a lot of that was Lamar Jackson on, uh, on Sundays, <laughs> he he looked like Brett Gabbard, um, but <laughs> but you know I mean look at Tennessee and their running game. I mean you you got Derrick Henry and and if if you're not dealing with him, you got the the kid out of Tulane, Tajay Spears. I mean I think that kid's going to end up being a pretty darn good as long as he's healthy and you know he had had the knee issue in the past, but right 
um, that that kid's a load, and we saw that at Nippert last November. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what this team can do. I feel like some of the we we, we talked already about Brandon Allen, and that I think that some of the contracts that they saved pennies for because I, I don't know how much they actually saved off the top of my head. I haven't done that research, but I, I can't imagine what they saved in not re-signing a Brandon Allen, not bringing back either of your safeties and Jesse Bates or um, um, dude from that we got from New Orleans, uh, uh, Bell. Um, yeah, Von Bell. Von Bell. Um, not bringing either safety back. Clearly, you're running into issues at this point already in the season. Not that Dax Hill has been bad at safety, but it's just it's a different feel for this defense. It's a different feel for total different feel. I agree. I think that safety thing's probably uh, a little bigger than maybe we're giving it credit for. But probably those two back there, even though maybe in the regular season last year, maybe uh, Jesse wasn't the Jesse we saw before, but he sure cranked it up when he needed to. And He's been on fire in Atlanta thus yeah. far. No, I know. I know. Um, I, I I think that, uh, yeah, that's a loss. That is, you know, and, and how much that plays into what's going on with them getting gashed in the run game, I don't know. But something – I'd imagine it have some effect. Yeah, I'd yeah. imagine it has some effect. Not having yeah. a heavy hitter like either Jesse Bates or – Well, Von Bell. Bell brought the wood, man. Yes, he did. Von Bell was a hitter. Um, you know, as, as Smith Schuster, but he's he was a hitter and <laughs> is a hitter. Um, and I love having a thumper back there. Well, I guess the only the only things that we have going into uh this week with LA is uh first off, Matt Stafford is full of shit saying that he was not on the same page with any of his receivers because <laughs> he felt old in the locker room or what i don't know whatever he was talking about yeah um, that was he's, weird he's definitely been on the same page with guys named puka and tutu exactly. uh, do, doing just fine with with puka and tutu guys that he's known for about six months right uh, and, <laughs> uh so I, i'm putting nothing into anything that matthew stafford says uh, they feel good enough that apparently cam Akers is on the trade block uh, they feel good enough about yeah. this team. Sean McVay is not afraid to make a trade at any point in the season. So we'll see wow. how that unfolds. Uh, but I, I don't feel good going into Monday night. Uh, we know that historically Cincinnati does not play well under the lights. And so uh, the last time there was a game under the lights, uh, I believe, was Buffalo. And Jesus, that couldn't have gone any worse. Oh, my for... God. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was one of the most bizarre nights ever. Mm-hmm. In Bengals history. But hopefully and, this one goes better. They got the ring of honor ceremony with Boomer yeah. and, and, and Chad coming back. So that'll Chad, be cool. Yeah. I guess they're doing the white thing with the white helmets, jerseys, and pants. Yep. Um, um, hopefully it works out for them. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see, and there's going to be a ton of anticipation. What's that number? Like two and a half or something, too? I was I was just looking that up actually. Uh currently yeah. it's it's at two and a half, according to Caesars. Um the ESPN FPI gives Cincinnati a 65.3% chance. I don't put any stock in any of that this season because it's been really wrong thus far. And I'm surprised um, there's a line out there like that with Burrow being iffy, you know. Vegas always knows more than any of us do. So there is that. Um, that all being said. Playing then, right? Uh, until he isn't. <laughs> they, they, he was reported to be walking around the locker room today without anything that looked like a limp. Um, yep, I saw that. So there's something to be said for all of that. Um, one last thing on the Bengals that I did want to ask you about. Uh, this week, the Bengals brought one AJ Green back on a one-day contract to sign and retire as a Bengal. This is very out of character for the Cincinnati Bengals to do anything like this, as you could have potentially done something like this with, I don't know, a a Corey Dillon or a a Carson Palmer or a Chad Ochocinco, a TJ Hushmanzada, an Andrew Whitworth. You didn't do any of those things with any of these guys, but times they are changing around here yes they are so what did you make of that story as aj green came in and signed a one-day contract to retire as a cincinnati Bengal? 
First of all, I love it because I, I don't know if you've ever dealt with A.J. Green, but what a prince of a man, a prince of a man, just an absolute. I remember him as a rookie, and he came – so he's from Georgia. And, you know, they have all the great facilities there, everything, and it never really gets cold in Georgia. Well, it gets yeah. cold in Cincinnati, and guess who didn't have an indoor then when this kid's a rookie? I remember him coming in off the practice field in November. It was cold as can be. It was cold as a witch's, you know what. <laughs> they come in off the field, and we wanted to talk to him. It's like, AJ, can we talk to you? He goes, in a minute, my feet have never been so cold in my life. And it's like, welcome to Cincinnati, bud. Every other NFL team up here has an indoor, but you found the only one that doesn't. <laughs> Back then, they do now. Yes, now they do. God bless them, they have a bubble. But that thing should have been there 20 years ago. But anyway, I will never. Uh, great man, great guy. Uh, I, I love that they did that. And I think that is some of the changing of their way of thinking. That's why there's now Ring of Honor. And I think, you know, I think the younger kids in the family are starting to get some people. They get it. Why? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see that with the ruler of the jungle thing and some other things they've done. Um, and, and I'll tell you what. Even the Ring of it Honor. It's so crazy. It may get so crazy that someday there would be a statue of Paul Brown outside that stadium. Uh, maybe now you're going too far. I know. I'm going over the top here. <laughs> and, and I think Mike's response is, Dad wouldn't want that. But, you know, you go down the Great American Ballpark and, you know, it looks like an art museum. There's so many statues. And you go down the Paul Brown Stadium and you see concrete. Oh, maybe a couple Bengal murals now. But, you know, it's time for them to do something to honor the history, whether it's a – I'm not saying build a full-fledged Hall of Fame, although that would be really cool and kind of nice. It doesn't have to be overly big, you know, but it's time for them to do something like that, in my opinion. What do you think? Does that even matter? I think it matters. I mean, I feel like annually the Bengals are, are voted towards the bottom of the league for – how like just visitor friendly the stadium is and yeah. yes they've done something with decorations and murals and different things that they've put up around the stadium but at the end of the day it feels like a concrete prison Correct. and the more that you can do to make it feel like something actually happened here yeah i i think is nothing but a good thing whether paul brown wanted to be memorialized in a statue or not. I, I think that's neither here nor there at this point. It's it's not necessarily for the man uh, right. as, as it is for the fans, as it is for the history of the program, as it is for people who are coming through to be able to tell the stories about, I remember that, that guy coaching. And exactly. those, those those people are even numbered at this point with, with Paul Brown. Exactly. I mean, so you're, you're running into trying to catch up with history, much like the, the Bearcats are with their ring of honor. That hasn't been updated I mean, in who knows how long. Go down but. to the Reds game, and you see people out of town in Cubs jerseys taking pictures yeah. with Joe Morgan's statue or Johnny Bench's or Pete's or whoever, yeah. you know, with Nuxall's statue. You see people taking pictures with that. And it is – it's a fan thing, and I, I got to think if there was a Munoz statue and a Brown statue out there, there would be a lot of pictures being taken with fans there saying, wow, I'm here – and this is part of this franchise and this history. Well, and you want the you want the Cincinnati Bengals to be taken seriously when it comes to Hall of Fame votes. But if you aren't even taking your own history seriously, uh, yeah. how, how do you how do you expect the voters Riley out there too? No doubt about right. it. So, so how do you expect the voters to take it seriously? And and again, granted, they are starting to catch up to that. But yes. with with the with the Ring of Honor and and some certain things, but you have to start taking your own history seriously before you can expect others to take your history seriously. Well said, uh, I totally agree. Moving on to the Reds, it seems they did fall tonight, seven nothing. Um, as Fernando Cruz got the start, uh, yeah. because that's what we're doing these days. That's we where don't. They're at. We don't have starters anymore. We only have bullpen, and God bless them. They've been busting their ass all season. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the bats did not give them any help today. Uh, as Last time saw two hits. How many they finish with? I'm checking for that for you right now, but with zero runs, that's not going to help anything <laughs> yeah, exactly. at all. I'm not going to feel any better. <laughs> um, 
They finished the day with a grand total of four hits on 30 at bats. Um, not not great. Not great. It's a, it's a mad scramble. They still have a chance. They can still pull this off. Connor Phillips gave him good innings last night starting. Hunter Green starts tomorrow. After that, it's back to the drawing board. And it's pretty much whoever can get out of the tub and, and make it to the mound. I mean, this has been uh, – look, there, there's there's David Bell detractors, and I get it, but my God, what he's been doing down this stretch and juggling things, and, you know, they're missing Matt McClain now. India comes back. De La Cruz isn't hitting worth a lick since the end of July, basically. Correct. Um, you know, they've been up against it. Hopefully he catches fire in these last couple of weeks, and that'll be enough to get him over the top because I would love, I would love to see them in a three-game series in the wild card round. I just, I don't care if it's at Milwaukee. They're due to beat Milwaukee. Um, I, I just want to see them make it. I really do. Well, I don't the Cubs are well, but I want to see it. The Cubs are currently up 5-1 against the Pirates. The Giants in the bottom of the third. I don't know if there was a rain delay in Chicago or what, but uh, that's a that's a should be 10 o'clock, and that game to only be in the bottom of the third. That's wild. Um, Giants are up 2-1 against the Diamondbacks. There was a rain delay to start that okay. game. It didn't. I think okay. it was like an hour. It took about an hour to get it started. Uh, Giants are up 2-1 against the Diamondbacks, and the Marlins beat the Mets tonight 4-3. So essentially, everything that you want to happen went, went the other way, and that's just kind of been a theme for this weekend. Sounds like um, the weekend, right. Last night was good at the stadium, though. It, it uh, was, it was. game last night. I went down there and watched it and had a great time. And, um, and it was, you know, Joey Votto had a well-timed two-out hit. Um it was a lot of fun. I, I got a kick out of Will Benson. He hit the one ball. He got robbed of the homer. Next time up, I'm sitting there thinking, he needs to hit one where they can't rob it this time. And he just belted a no-doubter as soon as I, that thought entered my mind. He belted a no-doubter. So that was a fun game last night. But hopefully the old boys find a way because that would be a lot of fun in October. They currently stand 79-74. and 74. As of this very moment in time, they are a half game back in the wild card as Chicago has not finished their game yet. Arizona has not finished their game yet. San Francisco sits behind them two games. Uh, Miami has passed them to tie for the wild card spot or one of the, what is it? One of the two wild card, one of, how many three. Wild card spots? Three, three, three spots. So they're tied with Chicago right now. Yeah. It's um, going to be a scrum. It's going to be, a it scrum. is. It's, I it's, am. I'm all for the Reds being able to have meaningful baseball in absolutely. We're coming up on thought it would happen this year. I really didn't. We're coming up on late September, so it's not even mid-September really for for maybe another day or two. Um, but I don't know. They've they've you have Graham Ashcraft going down for the rest of the year, and that one hurts. That uh, hurts. I, he's been nothing short of a bulldog the entire year. He's given you all he's had. Yep. Um, Already had Lodolo out for the year. You you have Andrew Abbott on fumes pitching. If they're in a playoff game and they have to have a bullpen game, I don't. How do you? How do you not? What else are you gonna? Are you gonna bring? Are you gonna bring? Are you gonna bring? I guess you have to keep Phillips up here. The first time in the history of baseball that there's been a bullpen day for for a playoff game. I would I would guess you'd have to keep Connor Phillips up. You'd you'd right. They would have to do that potentially bring up spires again um unless you want to go really off the wall and bring in the kid from lsu that you drafted Um, oh yeah or the kid from wake i i don't know what any of those kids who's left at this point i don't think they've scraped the bottom and by golly they're you know they're still scrambling i i i Firmly believe that the only reason that the guys who are in what high A, double A at this point that they're bringing up to the bigs is because there's simply no tape on them, and the the tape they have has been shot from like a Nokia phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's exactly. it's grainy. It's maybe a BlackBerry. Uh, it's grainy from a a, a whatever you would expect a double A. AA 
video camera to look I at. I remember the BlackBerry shoot video. Maybe they did. I guess they did. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I think they did. Yeah, they may have. Wasn't good. I didn't use it until they were already out of vogue. <laughs> two generations behind on cell phones. Um, I don't know. I, it's it's fun that they are still in the thick of things. Uh, you heard Joey Votto give his thoughts on what could be potentially his last homestand last night. Yep. Um, interesting. You and I had a chance to listen to it together uh, before we started the show. Interesting words out of Joey Votto's mouth. Yeah, he's not writing anything off. Um, he's not saying that he thinks it will be his last. He probably doesn't want to think about it. And he kind of alluded to that um, because it, it's it, it's tough to it's tough to get to the end and say this is the last time I'm going to do this when I've been doing it that long in this city in front of these fans and all that. He so just I, turned forty. From he, he just turned forty. What a week, two weeks right. ago, something like, right. something like that. Um, so he's no no spring chicken at this point. No, that's old in baseball. That's that's old, and it's. I don't know. That's another thing to watch in the offseason. They better get a couple good starting pitchers and just – I don't care if you – you can't have too many pitchers, right? Look at yeah. them this year. You can't have too many. So go get a couple. Their payroll is going to give them plenty of flexibility to do that. They got to go get a couple of veterans that are damn good, that can go deep, that can give you a lot of innings and take the pressure off all these young guys. And if a guy comes up and he takes over, fine. What the hell? Um, that that's even better if that happens. But they they've got to clean that up. They've got to go get some guys. And then the Botto situation will be interesting to watch too. No way they pick up that option and pay him twenty five million. No. But is he going to tell them I'll play for seven when you buy me out? I don't know. And then what do you do if you're them? You're kind of in a tough spot. But I, I think I think they got to move on. I mean, I, I just do. Either way, I think you're looking at 18 million in money that they they didn't have one way or the other right. um, to to use to find some pitching that that you have alluded to. Uh, but it will be extremely interesting to find out if if they do anything in regards to keeping Joey around. Uh, I don't even know that he would necessarily rule out coming back in a coaching capacity. The way he just sounded like he wanted to be around these kids, but. I don't know what where you would even put him. Maybe a hitting coach of some sort. I'm not really sure. Um, I know I, Will Benson has talked about how the conversations he had when Joey was injured, when Will was up here, just the effect that that had on him. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Joey if he well, sticks. There is that dynamic that you have to consider, and Lord yeah. knows they've had plenty of special advisors to the GM and all that in the past. So. <laughs> Maybe I mean, special advisor. Isn't that essentially what uh, um, the the catcher that's been injured all year? I I, I can't remember his name right now. Um, it starts with a C. Chris Sally. Yes, Kirk Sally. Isn't that essentially what he's been all year? The, yeah, basically. Harry <laughs> Larkin was one for a while. Johnny Bench, Eric Davis. Um, I'm sure there's more. Probably Jose Rio. We can go on and on. There's been a lot of veterans that that have been special advisors to the GM. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's good to have those guys. I, I remember going down the spring training and seeing Davis and Larkin there, and that was that was in Arizona. So that had to be within the past 15 years. But they were down there, and let me tell you something. Number one, they had a lot of knowledge to give these young guys coming up who were minor league players and had an impact on them. And it was a positive thing. That was a very positive thing to have, you know, guys who have been there and done that and care about the organization. They're working with the players. It, it was very interesting. And I, I feel there's a lot of merit in that. I agree. Nine games left though. Uh, again, this twins team is, is the only team that has a winning record in any of these remaining nine games. The, one left against the Twins, you can still win the series uh, before you take the Pirates, uh, three games against the Pirates, two games against the Guardians, and three to finish it out against the Cardinals. So 
it should be quite a it's getting it's coming down quite a race yeah um, uh, again just just happy that they're they're playing you can be mad at, at the management upper management for the way that they've handled anything over the course of the last several years uh, but these players are playing their ass off and I will never speak poorly against the players who do things despite payroll totally agree it's been a fun season been fun to watch Whatever. all right however it shakes out any last thoughts on uh this is this is the part of the show where you like to give your thoughts on anything you have fc cincinnati or local high yeah, school football still doing well coming off that draw in philly over the weekend they're in a streak yep. of uh three games in in eight days they're at montreal tomorrow night then they uh host charlotte on saturday night but they're fine they're doing well still only four losses on the season which is amazing and, and still an eight point lead in the east so they're cooking along. High school football, Chad's Lloyd Judds, 5-0, and baby. Going to be 6-0 and after they play Newport this week, I would think. Um, other big games coming up. Let's see what we got here. LaSalle, Moeller, Elder St. X, GCL games. Highlands at Cooper in Northern Kentucky. Wentwoods at Anderson. That's a big one um, over on the east side in the East Cincinnati Conference. Uh, Taft at Withrow. That's coming up Saturday. And my game of the week. Game of the week, Colerain, 0-5, at Lakota East, 0-5. Somebody's got to win. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> I, fe I felt like that was literally the way that you would have handled your, your promo on Channel yeah. 5. It <laughs> is. That was fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to those who hung around with us tonight in the yeah. chat and, and – uh, and download us on the podcast. You can download us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but for my co-host, George Vogel, I am Aaron Smith. This was another episode of George in the Jungle, and we will catch you next week, Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. Tonight, it's a Delta One. <laughs> <laughs>